Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining. In this episode, we'll be talking about medication management and leadership development with Todd Sorensen. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, Todd Sorensen. After receiving his PharmD degree from the University of Minnesota, Todd was able to rejoin his alma mater as a professor and executive director of the Department of Pharmaceutical Care and Health Systems at the University of Minnesota. He also serves as the executive director with the Alliance for Integrated Medication Management, or AIM. Todd, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Hi, Hillary. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro and maybe tell us a bit more about your personal life. Sure. Um, So you've described that I have two roles that really do intersect a lot between my work at the University of Minnesota and the role as the executive director of the Alliance for Integrated Medication Management. Uh, in, In my roles, what I am particularly focused on is how we improve medication use in our society. Uh, Most of that work has been focused in the outpatient setting. Uh, That is part of what I do in my university work and in the work we do at AIM. Um, And really how we bring care models forward, interprofessional care models that are focused on ensuring that patients can receive the greatest benefit possible from their medications. And as a part of doing that in both of my worlds, I'm really interested in how we accelerate the adoption of those models and uh, produce the change that delivers value in our organizations. And so there's a leadership component to it there. Uh, At the University of Minnesota, my teaching responsibilities are focused on leadership development. We have a a fairly extensive leadership development program in our doctor pharmacy curriculum that I uh, co-lead with a couple of uh, colleagues. Um, that uh, ranges from kind of survey courses and leadership development all the way through to deeply reflective um, and commitment setting activities among the students uh, that if they go through all of that pathway, they can uh, acquire a a designation on their transcript that they received a doctor of pharmacy degree with an emphasis in leadership. Oh, fascinating. Well, I can't wait to kind of talk a little bit more about that. But first, can you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in medication management and what are the big things happening in that area of pharmacy practice? I'd say that uh, this interest, while it maybe doesn't didn't look then like it looks now, really started when I was a student in uh, the College of Pharmacy at the University of Minnesota. I was uh, back then, the pharmaceutical care model was was just emerging. Uh, I graduated in 1994, so that was kind of the the beginning of some of the thinking and and implementation of those ideas. And I was um, really quite taken by it right from the time of being a student. And I was also very involved in leadership activities and was very curious about how you created change in organizations. And um, so it 
started back then, I really didn't know anything about how to do that. Um, and I think that not only myself, but the, the whole area and discipline has grown quite a bit since then. And I've just kind of kept my uh, focus on that throughout various different venues over the course of my career. Um, so it started back then, and, and what it looks like now is uh, touching on uh, research work that is really trying to define these practice models and uh, establish them in a way that we can create consistency among organizations. That's one of the challenges that we have in our profession right now is there is not often a lot of consistency uh, in the way that services are delivered, uh, particularly in the outpatient setting. And what that creates is an opportunity where consumers, patients, uh, physicians, they don't necessarily know what they can expect from a pharmacist. What they get from one pharmacist and see with one pharmacist may not be what they expect or see from another. And that doesn't create a foundation from which that we can uh, really influence medication use uh, across um, society because we need to be able to do this in a way that engages patients and physicians and the rest of the healthcare team and in order to do that, they need to know that they're going to have consistent services regardless of who the pharmacist is they're working with. So that's really been a big part of, of um, the work that I'm doing now. And then how do we adopt that in, a, in the most rapid pos possible way? Yeah, that's really fascinating that you've kind of honed in on the importance of, of consistency. Um, it's wonderful that you're helping to lead the charge on developing successful practice models and then being able to, to uh, replicate those all across the country. Thank you for that work. And so, Todd, we first met when I was interning at HRSA's Office of Pharmacy Affairs. And I think at that time you were doing some consulting with 340B entities and, and you were a faculty member for the Patient Safety and Clinical Pharmacy Services Collaborative, which is now the Alliance for Integrated Medication Management or AIM. Can you tell us a little bit more about AIM? Sure. Um, so if you've, as you've referenced, AIM um, was created as a follow-up to a, a federal initiative that went on for about six years, from 2008 to 2014, uh, through the Health Resources and Services Administration and in partnership with uh, CMS over several years. There was a national initiative to work with the safety net community to improve medication use. And uh, that was one of the most um, exciting and uh, and probably one of the experiences from which I've personally gained the most in terms of learning and thinking about how to lead change was through that, that work, um, partnering with HRSA and CMS and the rest of the, uh, all the other individuals that helped lead that effort. So in um, about 2011, 2012, uh, the national pharmacy organizations that were contributing to and, and supporting that federal initiative, um, it was determined that, you know, there's no federal program usually lasts forever. And so there was the beginning to think about how do we keep this type of effort going when the, uh, the federal support ends. And so those organizations came together and created AIM as a national nonprofit organization that would be the home for this work uh, when, that, when that needed to be the case. And that happened in 2014. Um, so AIM had been in place for a bit, was turning to get its legs under it. And, um, and then in 2014 became the the sole group responsible for keeping this work forward, going forward. 
if we leap forward to today, you know, we, we continue to do some of the similar work that um, was started back in 2008, operating learning collaboratives. And for those who aren't necessarily familiar with, with those, they are one of the strategies that really helps with implementation across the community and accelerating the, the change. Uh, we've taken a lot of cues from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement and how we do that work. We convene organizations or we, we partner with, with sponsoring organizations that have communities that they want to bring together. Uh, we consult with them on how to uh, create a community of learning that will accelerate change. And then we really drill down and provide coaching with individual organizations that are committed to making changes in how they deliver services to improve medication use. So we're, we're convening, we're, we're consulting, and we're coaching uh, across a spectrum of activities that result in an envisioned change for how we're going to deliver service to improve medication use, the leadership strategies that are necessary to do that, the measurement strategies that are necessary to determine that we're actually producing the outcome that we want to do. And then we're really working, because um, we're often working with frontline practitioners, helping them tell their story to senior administrators or to external stakeholders so that they can acquire the necessary resources and support to allow the changes that they've made to sustain and continue to expand and, and deliver value to their organizations or their partners. Wow. Now, how would an organization go about getting some support or joining or, or getting some support in, in those uh, ways that you just mentioned? Well, the, the easiest way would be to um, contact us through our, our webpage, which is um, www.aimweb.org. Um, but most, most of what we do is tied to some sort of sponsoring organization. So um, one example is that we have a partnership right now with the American Society of Health Systems Pharmacists and Apexis, which is uh, the 340B prime vendor for the federal uh, 340B program. And uh, organizations are able to join this collaborative that we've created. We call it the A3 Collaborative. A3, because there's three organizations leading it that all start with A. And um, we currently have about 30 organizations that are part of that collaborative right now. And in the spring of 2018, we'll be uh, seeking to add new organizations to that. Uh, the great part about that is, um, of course, there's a lot of hand uh, hands-on support that's provided to these organizations through monthly webinars, live events, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. So there, of course, is a cost associated with it. But in this A3 collaborative, uh, Apexis is providing scholarships, um, sponsorships to uh, a number of organizations to help uh, bring them into this, and, um, and they cover about two-thirds of the cost. So that's um, one way that pretty much any organization could join our work is to um, join our A3 collaborative. We have other collaboratives too, but some of them are in cases where the sponsoring organization has um, provided grants to a limited number, and then we're working to facilitate that group in a community of learning. So um, there is information about that A3 collaborative on our website. Wonderful. Well, thanks for sharing about that. It's uh, definitely something that I'm sure a lot of the listeners would like to check out and, and learn more about how uh, they can work at their organizations to lead change, demonstrate the value that they're bringing and really focus on improving medication management. So thanks for sharing some more about that. Um, 
And Todd, a lot of your work, it looks like, has been kind of in in the underserved populations area. Uh, tell us a little bit about maybe how you got interested in that. Uh, I know kind of your your background, you're from a smaller town in Minnesota. I'm from a smaller town in Mississippi and also am, am kind of interested in that. So can you tell us a little bit about kind of your, your interest in that population? Sure. Yes. I grew up in Tyler, Minnesota, population 1,250 people in southwestern Minnesota. My graduating class had 37 students in it. Um, so it was technically an underserved community, certainly from a geographic and a, and a rural standpoint. I never, growing up, I didn't ever perceive that or, or know it to be that way. But uh, growing up in a small rural community certainly did have uh, an influence on me in terms of understanding what the unique and special needs are of those communities and um, really the community atmosphere that exists in a small close-knit community like that. Um, in terms of getting involved in, in healthcare and safety net, uh, that really started also through the Health Resources and uh, Services Administration. Back in 1999, um, the uh, HRSA had offered clinical pharmacy demonstration grants. And um, I, honestly, at that point, I didn't know anything about the 340B program. I didn't know anything about federally qualified community health centers. I just saw that there was a, a federal opportunity that was seeking to create partnerships between schools of pharmacy and, and uh, federally qualified community health centers for the expansion of pharmacy services. And that just was, that in itself was intriguing to me. And I remember, and it's a story that I sometimes tell the students from a, from a leadership standpoint, that um, you know, leadership starts with choices that we all make. And uh, sometimes uh, people have ideas, but they don't really ever act on them. Well, one of the things that's maybe a bit of a quirk or, or unique to me is that I really don't like phone calls. I much prefer talking to people face-to-face -face in person. And particularly for people that I don't know, cold calling was something that just was not something I was comfortable with. But when it came to that opportunity, um, I needed to make connections with CEOs of the federally qualified health centers in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And I can remember the day that I was sitting there, I had learned enough about this that I thought I could speak about the opportunity somewhat intelligently, and I needed to, to make those phone calls. And um, that was, while it might sound like a small thing, it was a, a big hurdle when I finally just told myself, you know, they probably don't know anything about all the things that I know, just as much as I don't know anything about the things that they know, and we could figure this out together. And um, I found three uh, executive directors that were interested in, in working on this. And um, we were successful in getting those initial grants. And, and I can look at the a couple of those health centers now and know that the pharmacy services that exist there now may not exist today if it hadn't been for the phone calls that I made initially that I really didn't want to make, but they led to strong partnerships, they led to uh, funding investment, and now they're leading to increased access to medications and clinical services in those organizations that um, weren't there prior to, to doing that. So that's where I got started. I, it um, wasn't so much because I had prior experience in the safety net, it was because there was an opportunity there to do the type of work that I felt like needed to happen in our society. And uh, uh, thankfully, it was in, a, in an opportunity where there was uh, a population of great need. 
Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that story. It's so helpful to kind of, you know, when we see people who've really uh, excelled in their careers, it's so helpful to kind of hear how they got started and that, you know, at at some point, everyone kind of has that feeling of, Maybe, you know, do I know everything and, and, you know, having to put yourself in kind of a little bit of an uncomfortable position in making that phone call or, you know, going up and talking to that CEO or, you know, whatever it is. But, um, yeah, that, that's wonderful to be able to kind of, um, hear, uh, a little bit about that. And so we've touched a little bit about uh, liter- leadership stories um, and things like that. And Todd, you've previously served in a variety of leadership roles uh, at both the local and national level, including APHA, ACCP, AACP, and the Minnesota Pharmacist Association. Uh, you're even teaching leading change at the University of Minnesota. Um, Can you maybe share a little bit about how you've been able to positively impact so many associations? Well, I keep showing up. (laughs) Um, That is, you know, probably the the basis of it is um, I tend to go to a lot of meetings and, um, you know, in terms of keeping track of what's happening in healthcare, uh, what kinds of trends are occurring, what uh, others are doing to influence those trends. Um, some people gain that from, from reading a lot. In my case, my preferred method of staying up to date and, and uh, being able to keep my fingers on the pulse of what's happening is through uh, meeting with people, going to, to meetings, having one-on-one conversations, uh, really getting out of the office and and seeing things from the perspective of those who are on the front lines of care um, or the thought leaders that are gathering at, at national meetings. So um, being present at those types of settings and engaging in those kinds of conversations and then bringing my own thoughts uh, forward has, has just led to a number of opportunities where um, sometimes I'm volunteering, sometimes I'm being asked to uh, participate or contribute to some sort of leadership effort in an organization. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've sometimes been asked that, how do you get into these different opportunities? And I can't think of it any, any more simply than, than it's being present and being proactive and being someone that people can think about as, uh, as being aware of what's happening and is positively trying to create that, that type of change. Yeah, thanks for sharing that because it is so hard to keep uh, current and up to date on all the many things that are happening in the healthcare industry. But, you know, showing up, making those connections, networking, attending meetings, um, reading all of the the great, you know, information and literature that associations and different groups are putting together. Um, all that is really helpful for, um, for us to stay on top of that. So thanks for sharing some of your tips. So, Todd, what are some of the things that excite you about the future of pharmacy? Well, so when our students are starting, I, I have the opportunity to meet with our students uh, in um, a class session in their second week of pharmacy school. And for the last couple of years, uh, one of the things that I've tried to share with them to help them understand that they have made a, a, an important and a, and a very good choice to join us in the profession of pharmacy is that Truly and honestly, I think that there are more opportunities for pharmacists to contribute in healthcare than there have been in 
all of the 20 plus years that I've been involved in the profession. The dynamics that are occurring in healthcare reform, I call it healthcare reform, it doesn't really feel like health reform right now, it's just the, the dynamics of healthcare today, moving to a value-based system is disrupting the way that people think, uh, some of the traditions that we've had, some of the payment models that we've had. And there is uh, there are opportunities there where we can contribute in a way and that we've just not had to before. And I have seen through a lot of different venues and a lot of different ways evidence that the issues with suboptimal use of medications and the impact that's having in healthcare and the cost that's incurring in healthcare is more widely recognized outside of pharmacy than it ever has been before. There is an awareness that we need to do better with this. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that when people have that realization that they think of pharmacists first as part of that solution. We have a long way to go in terms of uh, bringing forward solutions and being seen as a contributor to those solutions. But the environment is ripe for that, like I've not seen it before. And so where we're at right now is I don't really feel like, um, well, certainly there are certain operational challenges out there. Those aren't the primary challenges. The, the primary challenges is really pharmacists being creative and bringing forward ideas and knowing how to navigate the system and knowing how to lead that change. Um, because I think there are people who are very interested in, in listening and investing and supporting that type of work. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Um, thanks for sharing kind of what you see as, as moving forward and, and the future for pharmacy is certainly bright. So it's very exciting. Um, so Todd, as our final question, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their careers? Oh, that's a good question. Um, what would I tell my younger self? Um, I think one of the things that I, I've truly come to appreciate uh, more um, over time is the power of collaborations. Now, I, I mentioned the story, and it was fairly early in my career, the example of working with the community health centers in our community, and, and that was certainly a collaboration. Um, but uh, I know more now about how to proactively seek those out, how to build partnerships uh, among pharmacy colleagues. And um, back in the day uh, when I was getting started, I didn't necessarily find or have uh, more senior colleagues that I was working with. Um, and uh, if I was to go back to talk to my younger self, I would uh, advise myself to work harder at trying to find senior colleagues that I could partner with um, that would have more experience. Uh, I might have a different set of ideas, but the ability to navigate the landscape uh, and draw on the experience and expertise of some of those senior colleagues um, maybe would have helped me advance some of the things that I was doing even further than I was able to early on in my career. That's great advice. And, and, and talking with a lot of these leaders, finding a mentor or, you know, someone who has a little bit more experience has been uh, something that keeps popping up. So I think that that's really important for students or for others who are just kind of getting started in their careers to really um, 
work towards, you know, finding, you know, a professor or maybe it's somebody in the workplace. Um, or sometimes it, it may not be, uh, you know, a pharmacist. It may be a business or somebody else kind of in your healthcare organization that you can also bounce some ideas off of and and work collaboratively to kind of form those partnerships. So thank you for sharing uh, that as well. And Todd, thanks so much for being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. It has been a pleasure talking with you today. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed it and I hope the listeners enjoy it as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, Connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. And be sure to check out our Facebook page, which is Pharmacy Advisory Group, and the website, www.pharmacyadvisory.com where you can find show notes and other interesting information about our guests. And you can also sign up to be a part of the Pharmacy Advisory Group Insights Council, where you can stay on top of all of the latest things happening in pharmacy.